0: Deuteronomy is uh, a very interesting book. Um, It's Moses' last words. He's uh, giving uh, the children of Israel the last bit of advice and wisdom and and direction that he can give them before he passes away. And... um, We're going through it in another kind of Bible study thing that I'm doing, and it really showed me uh, a lot about how important the heart is. And that's, you know, it's funny that Rosie mentioned it this morning, if you're in the 915 service, um, that the Israelites did all the work, but they never had the heart right. And so we're going to ask the question today, and I I encourage you to ask yourself, where's my heart? and if you look at Proverbs 23:26, it says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. So I did some, I did some digging. Um, by digging, I mean I did a word search. You know, that's hard work. Um, the heart, it's mentioned in 765 verses, and that equals over 830 times in the King James Bible. So it's kind of an important thing. Um, The world has several uh, pieces of advice that they would like you to follow when it comes to your heart. Um, Walt Disney said it this way. He said, let your heart guide you. It whispers so. Listen closely. Okay. Thanks, Walt Disney. Uh, Helen Keller said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. So I took those two and I put them together and I guess you could say they were telling you to lead by what you feel. Which is kind of hard because according to what the Bible says Mark seven fourteen through 23 says And when he had called all the people unto him he said unto them Hearken unto me every one of you and understand there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples said, asked him concerning his parable, and he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drop, purging all meats. And he said, "The heart of men precede. Oh, excuse me. That which cometh out of man that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And all these evil things come from within, and defile the man. So I'm not going to speak for everyone here, but I don't think I want to be led." by what comes out of my heart because according to what Jesus says that's some pretty wicked stuff praise God if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior you have been transformed into a new creature this allows you to have a choice and help on how our heart is so let's get into this Deuteronomy 11 uh, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 16 through 18. And we'll take some time to do some reflection. You got bonus 19 up there. Um, so looking at Deuteronomy 11, it says, starting in verse 16, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and ye shut up the heaven. And there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from off the good land, which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart, and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that ye may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So the first thing we see here, point number one, we need to take heed. So as I said before, the background on this chapter is Moses is telling the Israelites to follow the commandments that he has already given that he received from God. But right here, he gives them a warning because he's seen how they react to the commandments. He's seen how they handle their business. They they do it for a little while and they fall off. They do it for a little while and they fall off. They do it for a little while and fall off. So he's saying, no no no, I'm going to give you a warning right here. And he said, take heed to yourselves. So the word heed is to mind, to regard with care, to take notice of, to attend to, to observe. And that's from our friend uh, Mr. Webster's 1828 dictionary. So Moses is saying, hey, we need to take care. We need to attend to what? It's that your heart. Moses wanted to make sure that we take notice of our hearts. But why? Because the heart can be deceived. Look at verse 16. It says, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. Well, what does deceived mean? Deceived means to be misled, to be led into error, to be beguiled, cheated, deluded. So when the world is saying, hey, follow your heart, go listen to your feelings. Well, that's being deceived because we're being led into error. And so we need to say, where is my heart right now? Is it towards God? Is it for god am i serving with the right heart as sam was just talking about or am i serving for myself am i doing ministry so i can get a pat on the back so people can see me so i can look good or am i okay with nobody ever saying thank you but knowing that my heart is right i think that's the question is what is the point of our lives right now and the key that i saw here was not attending to the state of our heart can allow it to be beguiled it's not guaranteed that you're that you can be beguiled but it can happen and more than likely will happen if you're not willing to take the time to follow up and look at what my heart is doing what happens when our hearts are led into error we'll look at verse 16 in the end it says take heed to yourselves so there's the warning that your heart be not deceived that's the subject of the warning and here's the consequence and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. We can find ourselves serving and worshiping something other than the king that we asked for our salvation from. You see, we live in 2020, crazy, crazy year, But kings has been something so important down through the years a king had ultimate power over all of his subjects he could say that farm you have is now mine he could say you're no longer allowed to live here he could say you can go in jail for the rest of your life he could do whatever he wanted to do but a good king helped you he did things to help the citizens, and people loved him for it, and then they wanted to serve him. They wanted to give over the taxes. They wanted to do the things that the king needed because it, they knew it was, he was for them. His heart was for them, so their heart was for him. So here's the question. Are we serving something other than the king, whose heart was so for us, he sacrificed everything? As Sam said, can we do anything less? Can, can we look at Romans 12, 1, which says our reasonable service is to be a living sacrifice? Can we say, look in the mirror and say, I can't give any more than I already am. Sorry, God. This is it. This is all I got. Well, no, it's not all you have. But think about it. It's scary thought to consider that we can wake up one day and realize that we've been bowing down to an idol that we've been bowing down to a lie. Point number 2, there's consequences to not attending to the state of your heart, to allowing yourself to be de- to being deceived, to following those lies because it's easier because it makes what it allows me to make up my own rules. It's whatever it is That is the reason, but here is the consequences. Let's look at what the physical consequences were for the Israelites. Verse seventeen it says, And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Moses is warning the Israelites. God is blessing you with this land. It is a gift. You haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. But God has blessed you with it. Don't throw it away. By allowing yourself to be deceived. By serving other gods. By going after something else. Because your heart wasn't right. Because if you do, you're going to bring wrath. You're going to bring loss. And you're going to get kicked out of the blessing that God had just given you. The nation of Israel, it was physical. A physical loss of the fruit and of the land itself. But for us, it's a spiritual loss of both fruit and land. It's awesome how the Bible does that. And you say, Brandon, how can I lose fruit spiritually and how can I lose land spiritually? Well, let me tell you. You can see John 15, 1 through 5. Let's turn over there, but keep your finger or something here because we'll be back to Deuteronomy Um, we need to see what Jesus is saying here in John 15 and for those of you that have been around for a while you know exactly where I'm going John 15, starting in verse 5. or Sorry, starting in verse 1. Yes, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me, the vine, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away the whole branch. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges that fruit, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you abide in me the me is Jesus who is the vine and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye as the Christian except ye abide in me Jesus the vine verse 5 I am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me, ye can do nothing. So we see here there's a consequence to our heart stepping away from the King, who is Jesus, who is divine, and that loss is we cannot bear fruit. we cannot bear any fruit, let alone more fruit, because we're no longer abiding, we're no longer living and staying permanently in the vine we've walked away if you've ever cut a branch off a tree or cut a piece of uh uh, one of those tall weeds off after a while that top is just going to shrivel up because it no longer has any of the nutrients coming from the roots we can pluck ourselves from the vine and we will no longer be able to bring forth fruit no matter how hard we try we will shrivel up and we will die spiritually speaking because without Jesus, we can bear no fruit. If our hearts are not on Jesus, we will bear no fruit because we will be without him, the vine. We will have walked away. The vine never leaves. The vine is always there, ready and willing to give us nutrients. And we can always be grafted back into the vine. When we repent and say, God, my heart is not right. Jesus, help me to get back into into the vine and he will graft us back there so we can start moving forward to be able to provide or to bear fruit but again this is why moses said take heed attend to the state of your heart if you've ever had a garden it takes work i've never had one because it takes work right It's a lot of work. I can't even keep flowers alive for more than a few weeks. But you've got to put the time, the effort. If we truly say we love Jesus, not just for his salvation, but because he loved us and he did all these things for us, then we should be willing to put effort into that relationship. And that starts with attending to the state of our heart. Now, the second consequence <clears throat> that we can suffer loss of is land. And you can say, Brandon, I don't see how I can lose my land if I'm, you know, not being spiritual necessarily. I've still got a job or whatever. Well, all that can go away too. But think about Proverbs 31.16 <clears throat> that says, She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard pastor trotter used this proverb about two three years ago at um all church retreat and he equated it to missions and buying the field that god has called you to and putting your time your strength and your effort to bear fruit from that field to plant to water to let god do the growth but to be the one that's tilling the ground and putting the hard work in. If you go to a place like Boston, you're going to have to dig through the rocks. You're going to have to do all the heavy lifting. And you might not see a single seed grow, but somebody has to start the tilling process. Are we willing to go to a place knowing that we'll never see the fruit in our eyes, but God and look forward and see all the fruit that we will have in our account from all the hard work that we put in are we willing to labor in what the world will consider in vain because God said I need you to go and do that that's attending to the state of our heart to say can I give all to the Lord Jesus no matter what Have you bought a field? Do you have a mission field that you are working right now? If you do, and you're not attending to the state of your heart, and you get deceived and you don't do the work that you're supposed to on that land, it will be given to another. And somebody else will get the blessings from bearing that fruit. So, what can we do? That's the question. Point number three. We've got to protect our heart. Flip back to Deuteronomy 11. Look at verse 18. Therefore. So what's the therefore there? Why is it therefore? It's therefore because we don't want our hearts to be deceived. We don't want the wrath of God kindled against us. And all these things taken away from us. So we shall ye lay up these my words where in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that ye may that they may be as frontlets between your eyes so let's unpack this really quick here we can stop the loss we can stop the deceiving We can stop the time that gets wasted from following after ourselves. How do we do that? Well, we lay up the Bible in our heart and in our soul. Well, how does it get there? We got to get in it. Not just once a week. Not just for five minutes on my daily verse I get in my email or on Facebook because luckily somebody posted something. No, no. I need to take personal responsibility to get in this book and learn it. And to be on my knees and praying it over myself and begging the Holy Spirit to teach me and then taking that and going into discipleship. Discipleship 1, discipleship 2, LFBI, giving that to other people so they can train and they can give it to other people. We need to be about all the things that God has asked us to do, but it all starts with a personal acceptance of the responsibility that I need to be in this book. Because my heart will never be right if I don't know who God is. If I don't have that intimate relationship with Jesus because I'm sitting down and I'm hearing His words. I can't know Him I can't tell you about him. I can't tell you about him because I won't know who he is. I'll know what he did. I can, I can tell you kind of what he's like because I can see what he did. But I'll never know him to the point that I'll know his favorite color, that I'll know his eye color. That, you know, all the things that you're supposed to know about your spouse that I never remember, those are the most important things that, to those people. And Jesus wants us to know that he loves everyone and he wants us to love everyone, but we can't because we don't love him enough to get in his work. Right? I can't. They did for a long time in other parts of the world where you marry somebody you've never met, and I can't even imagine that. You know? I got blessed with a wonderful spouse, Liza in the back there. Um, but we, we had to spend some time with each other. We had to get to know each other. And even after we got married, we were still just getting to know each other. And then I got deployed, and so everything got all kind of messed up. But praise God, we have spent the last 14 years going on 15, getting to know each other, and growing together, and changing. I can't say that I've spent the last 15 years getting to know Jesus every day. I can't stand up before you and say, I've been perfect and doing everything right. I haven't. I've had to repent going through this, saying, Lord, I've been deceived. Work became more important. My anxiety disorder became more important. My kids became more important. But then I realized I was failing my kids because they didn't see that I loved Jesus. I could say it with my mouth, but I didn't live it. We gotta protect a heart. The next thing we can do is we bind the Bible for a sign upon our hand. I love the imagery that Moses used here, that Jesus used here. So you lay it up in your heart and in your soul. To me that's memorization. We gotta know it. We gotta know it. We gotta be in it. We gotta give the Holy Spirit the tools to bring back to us when those temptations and those bad times those hard times come but we also need to have it as a sign upon our hand so when I go to do something I can see there's that scripture on my hands I go and I do something I can say okay this scripture I need to make sure my heart is right while I do this that I'm not being bitter that I spent 18 months trying to do D1 and they just walked away Because it's not about that. It's about that we spent 18 months investing in somebody, the Word of God. And if they walk away, that's on them. But we got to do it right. We got to keep our hearts right. So we got to be on our hands, it's got to be on the tools that God is going to use when we till that land. And lastly, it's got to be as frontlets between your eyes. I looked up what a frontlet was. It's a frontal band worn around the forehead. I imagined it was to, you know, keep hair back or to keep some kind of head covering in a sandstorm over. But to me, the example that came to me while I was having lunch with Dylan, my middle son, was Sunglasses. Because when I'm wearing, when I have my regular glasses on, or if you just have no glasses, and you're just walking around, it's really bright out, you can still see, but it can be very hard to see things. That's what the world wants. They want you to kind of see what's going on. You know, a lot of religions, they want you to kind of feel like something's good going on, but don't see all the details. Well, when I put sunglasses on, whoa, well now I can see all the details. And I don't have to squint. I can walk around perfectly fine in a sunny day with sunglasses on, no problem. So I looked at the example that we need to have the scripture between our eyes as sunglasses so we can block out the false light that the devil's trying to deceive us with because he can appear as an angel of light, according to Paul. and walk around this world seeing it as it's supposed to be. Dark. But then we can see the details of the people that need the help. We can give them the true light while handing them something that block out the false light. It's kind of a dumb example, but I think it really illustrates what God wants. We need to see things differently. But we can't because our hearts can already be full of Lies, where is your heart? As we conclude, almost right on time. Very good. I just want to leave you with a few things. Your heart is guarded from being deceived when we have scriptures in it and in front of our eyes this means you need to be in the word and allowing the word to be in you I think that's the biggest thing I can be in the world a day but if I block the word from affecting me if I don't sit down and ask the Holy Spirit to show me and open myself up to the desire for change to be closer to this we're supposed to be Christians Christ like well I can't become more christ-like if i go to here saying well i'm just going to read this so i can get a check mark no i need to go in here saying jesus show me what needs to change in my life so my heart can be in the right spot so that i can be more like you we need to know the scripture by spending quality time and memorizing it to me memorizing is the four-letter word of scripture I hate memorizing. It's horrible because my brain doesn't like it. But you know what? It's so vitally important. Because when we're being tempted, when we're going through a hard time at work, or our kids just are hitting that last nerve with a sledgehammer, the Holy Spirit can bring that scripture back to you and I can even say it to them. Hey, here's what the Bible says. And right now, I'm going to ask you to stop and I'm going to be calm because usually I'm not coming let's get in here and take accountability for our lives I think we need to take time to examine our heart and see what is it serving what is it worshiping we need to catch any deceiving now and not 10 years from now I tell you what I got saved when I was six I'm no longer six I'm 38. That's 32 years of being in church. Of hearing mighty men of God. LFBI. All this stuff that I've done. And guess what? It doesn't amount to a hill of beans. To a hill of beans because my heart wasn't right in all of it. But guess what? I want to share something with all of you. you got a chance to start fresh right now. We can change the bitterness. We can change the anger. We can change the frustration. We can look and see what God has blessed us with and ask the Lord to help our hearts be in the right place by getting in here going forward. So what today as Pastor Sam said, be the day that we're no longer deceived. That we're no longer following the lies. That we're no longer the number one most important thing in our lives. And that Jesus can take the rightful place on the throne of our hearts. Where's your heart? It's a simple question. But Moses knew there wasn't a single chance the Israelites would get it right if they didn't have that scripture there so we can't do it either